welcome to the Saturday Night Live podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Kyle Garrow. Marler, we have we have some stuff for Casual Friday. We have some stuff. Yeah, some stuff. Not that casual. Not that casual. Um, this is going to be a little bit of a different podcast that we've done in the past, just because. We just finished recording an interview with Cash Daniel, and it was it was enlightening. I, I think for yeah. anybody who looked at the title of this episode and saw a Cash Daniel interview and said, nope, I'm going to skip that one, I think that you will learn a thing or two about who he is, what he's gone through, how he dealt with. We, we asked him directly about the Kyle Trask ankle twist, all of that stuff, and hearing him respond and that that's as real as I've heard a person be yeah. on our podcast. I think it's just zero filter. None. He also one up me on the uh, on the Coach O impression. Yes. It was just like man, everything he does, he does better than I do. Yeah, but it was it was a great great conversation that that I hope people are listening to and and will will come to maybe a little bit of a different understanding. But Cash is definitely more than the the you know persona that he was trying to trying to build up last year that we i have admittedly you know bought into that and all that stuff and i think that people people will definitely be taken aback by some of the things that he has to say a lot of good discussion about mental health as well we also have stump marler at the end of the episode recorded that with jay woody so we will i promise we'll we'll lighten the mood a little bit as well but wanted to discuss something that came to the forefront Early on, I think it came to the forefront, I, I, I want to say this was like either early Thursday morning or like late Wednesday night. One of those two things. But Jake Fromm, we have to talk about this. Um, here's what we know as of this recording at 4.30 on Friday. And I guess I should say more like 3. Thursday. Or yeah, Thursday. My bad. My bad. And I haven't been on social media for the last hour because we've been recording stuff. But Right. Um, so here's what we know as of this moment. Jake Fromm had um, somebody had screenshotted text messages um, that that were between he and, and someone else, somebody else at Georgia, a student at Georgia, in which Fromm said guns are good, which, you know, of course you would expect Jake Fromm, the hunter, to, to say something like that, but then added afterwards, just make them very expensive so only elite white people can get them. Ha ha ha. Now, these screenshots were, were posted on Twitter and they started to make the rounds and Jake Fromm is all of a sudden a trending topic in the United States and our producer Will kind of was texting us about it and I'm like, I'm, I'm in wait and see mode about this because right. you never want to just assume something like this when that's a very serious accusation, when you don't have confirmation from the athlete or anything like that, anything else like that, stuff can be photoshopped. Then Jake Fromm came out with an apology wherein he admitted he said those exact things in those text messages and didn't say that he didn't say that somebody photoshopped it or anything like that. Uh, he said, um, I'm, ex- I'm extremely sorry that I chose to use the words elite white people in a text, converse- text message conversation, although I have never meant to imply that I am an elite white person as stated later in the conversation. There's no excuse for that word choice and sentiment. 
While it was poor, my heart is not. Now more than ever is the time for support and togetherness, and I stand against racism 100%. I promise to commit myself to being a part of the solution in this country. I address my teammates and coaches in a team meeting today, and I hope they see this incident is not representative of the person I am. Again, I'm truly sorry for my words and actions and humbly ask for forgiveness. A lot to dissect there. Yeah, so, and... and Going back for a second, I, we're not 100% sure if he was talking about guns or if he was specifically talking about suppressors for guns, which is a, a silencer. Um, I, it doesn't really matter either way. I, I, I was, the whole thing is, is, is bad. It looks bad. It's a bad look. It's, it's a very odd situation that somebody kept these texts and then waited till now to, to tweet them out and kind of, like, I don't want to say expose him, um, but like try to expose him, I guess, which is, uh, cause I mean, if there's anything we know about Jake Fromm, he seems like the most likable, nice guy, all that kind of stuff. But this is not the first slip up he's had on social media. This is not the first incident he's had of, of something from his social media making its rounds. Um, there's the Snapchat thing that has gone everywhere. You, you know what I'm talking about? I might, but do you care to express that or no? I don't really want to. It's a it's a picture of him. I'm assuming naked in bed, and he's asking for assistance and someone to come over and help him finish his whatever. Okay, didn't think you were going yeah. there with that. Uh, well, I mean, first off, he did it. Um, but it, it just I I I don't know if this is. It's it's easy to sit there and say like, all right, you know, this is not my character. This is not who I am. Blah blah. blah. But when there's multiple things that kind of come up and he was so direct with what he said it's it makes it look a little bit worse um that i think he understands does that make sense yeah and i think that there are people who are going to see something like that and say oh this is you know just pc culture and people people want to cancel everyone and digging up old tweets and stuff like that i i agree that like you know, the fact that this happened and this happened in 2019, though, that's the thing. Like he's going into his his junior year as starting quarterback at Georgia. He'd already been there for two years. This wasn't like a, 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 right. a text that was dug up from when he was 13 years old. This is when he's being evaluated for the NFL draft going into that junior season. And it's it shows a lot of things that I, I think are, are wrong. And he he's admitted in there like, like he he wants to be part of the solution in this country. Right, right now, stuff like this is part of the problem. And I think... Yeah, yeah. I just... I, my, my takeaway from, from seeing somebody like this have those comments get aired out was that... I, part of me is glad that, we're, we're, that there are ways to keep people, you know, to keep people in check, so to speak. So that yeah, you know, if you if you are saying stuff like this behind closed doors, behind closed doors, it shouldn't be like oh this massive secret because if you say something like that, it's out there, and you say something like elite white people can can get what if he's talking about guns or if he's talking about suppressors, whatever he's talking about, like is a is a privileged thing. Why why do you why do you need to come out and say that? Why is that why is that something that you feel like is a worthy response to say to to appear at that point? And right. obviously, if you're talking about being surrounded by 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 black people in the locker room, which the majority of his teammates in the Buffalo Bills are, 
how could that ever be? And I understand he said this before he got to the NFL, all that stuff. But right. Well, but also at the time he said it when he was also surrounded by a predominantly ex- African American at Georgia. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's the issue that I have with it is that like to to be like to to go to to go to your teammates when they're gonna have questions about stuff like that because what do you mean elite white people should only be able to get something in this country? What are you talking about? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's the whole thing is bad. It's it's obviously. There's no way to look at it and be like, you know what, this isn't as bad as we maybe thought. I, and, and I think honestly, the the part afterwards where his his apology, it didn't feel for me at least as much of an apology as much as like, hey, I'm a good person, okay? Yeah. Like like this this is like it was almost more of like this self righteous like we don't need to be divided right now because like, bro, like we're we're not like you you're the one that said this, I. Here's here's what I hope happens with this, and I have I have defended Jake Fromm a lot on this podcast. I really really have, and I, I texted you and Will. I'm like, well, I'm I'm definitely out on on Jake Fromm because I've always been like, oh, I think Jake Fromm will be good in the NFL. I think those those chances of that happening after something like this take a significant hit, just because yeah. having long term success, and if you're going to be a starting quarterback somewhere and you're going to be the face of your organization, having this cloud over you is not an easy thing to do. And being coming a starting quarterback as a fifth round pick is hard enough as it is. Yep. That climb just got behind wasted. a first round pick. Yeah. Behind a first round pick as well. That climb just got infinitely steeper, whether the bills release him or not. There is, there, there are some severe implications that come with and and there's a burden that you take on as an organization if you're willing to do that, knowing that this is now in his background, admittedly in his background. It's not gossip. It's not hearsay. Yeah, it, it's out there. I mean, he he full on acknowledged that this is something that that he said in a text message. And so there are a lot of people who who are going to still be like, it's not that big of a deal. It's not a problem. I hope. I don't, I don't, I don't want to cancel Jake Fromm or say that I hope that he yeah. fails for the rest of his life. I, I hope that he sees the error yeah, in his ways. And I think being, being a starting quarterback in the NFL and saying that somebody has should have the opinion to do that is different than saying that somebody should have a second chance to be a, a citizen. People, people make sense. People are able to overcome their mistakes. Mistakes happen. Look at what just happened at Florida State. Mike Norvell made a massive, oh, massive yeah. mistake by the message that he put out to the athletic and it was different than the message that he was portraying to his team in terms of communication with racial injustice. It's real bad. Real bad. And Mike Morvell is going to get the chance to overcome that mistake. At least we think he is. There are certain things that, that if you're walking that fine line, man, there is just no guarantee that you're going to be able to get back from this. And I don't know what's in store for Jake Fromm, but I do hope that that he learns from this learns that even if you're joking around with a friend whatever it is you can't stay you can't say stuff like this you just can't yeah it it just it was like one let's we'll, let's break down the whole effing thing i was obviously offended by what he said i wasn't that far less offended by him saying silly goose or what was it silly billy I just uh, there's I have so many questions about Jake Fromm's uh, Jake Fromm's texting. I, I and I, I this is going to sound rude or, or kind of mean towards him, but I, it's the truth. The only positive he has from this, like for like from his career, like it not affecting his career, is that 
I don't know if he really had that much of a, a future or a bright future to begin with in the NFL. And so it might make his stint a little bit, you know, end a little bit earlier. But it's, you know, just because to show you, like, one, if you're going to make bad jokes, I, I don't understand. I, I just don't understand the point of it. I don't understand, like, the, the point of what he was trying to say. It wasn't funny. It, like, I, I don't know if he thought it was, it was completely out of context of the conversation. And listen, I've said, I, I've done comedy for years and years and years. I've said horrific things, you know, when I first started doing comedy or back in the day or whatever. Stuff that I definitely wish I could, I could take back now. But when you're on that kind of, you know, platform and you have that kind of celebrity, it's just, you should know better. And that's, that's what I keep coming back to is I, I hope that, there, there is a little bit of that. If, if, if nothing else motivates you other than, oh man, like this could, this could see the light of day if I say something like this, and somebody could screenshot it a few years later, and I could be in real deep trouble for it. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, when it comes out, you're like, okay, it sucks that that person did that just to kind of go after him. Yeah, like that sucks, but I'm kind of glad that there's a way to do that to keep people from. If that's going to motivate people to, to watch what they say and realize that that their words can have have you know severe act, you know impact. severe yeah impact and and repercussions, I just think that that's that's not the worst thing in the world. And if that's your big complaint out of all this, I think you're looking at this wrong. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree. With that. I mean, and this is not trying to be like a we're not trying to make a judgment on his character or anything like that but it's because i i think he's a good person i still think he's a good person i think he i think he has some things in and in, in you see something like that that that's not what that's not what leaders say that's not something no. that you can that you can rally behind and obviously he wasn't proud that he said something like that everybody says stuff right. that that are regrettable but yeah when you have something that sees the light of day like that and you're in that high-profile position. Yeah, I mean that's that, that's what we're talking about here. But if you're if you're trying to make you know a hundred million dollar contract or something like that to be an elite starting quarterback in the NFL, which I realize Jake Fromm is a very very far way off from doing that. Man, your margin right. your margin for error. You, you can't you just can't make mistakes like that. And and yeah, and again, like we, we don't need to beat a dead horse with like you know he made a mistake. We should move yeah. on from it. There's we can make our own you know, judgments, assessments, whatever. I will say it's, it's been very surprising how, how much this has continued to happen from people we just didn't expect it from. Drew Brees. Drew Brees thing, yeah. That was weird. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't get it. It's been, uh, it's been a wild, wild news cycle. It absolutely has. Yeah. And um, if there's ever a time to realize that you need to watch what you say, you need to watch how you say it and understand that there are people who have different backgrounds who interpret things differently than you do i mean now now is it now is it yeah so completely agree all right we have we have a lot to get to still yet in this podcast we're gonna first go to our interview with cash daniel and then we will end your friday with a little stunt marler so first let's go to cash daniel we're now excited to be joined by a very special guest a repeat guest it is former Kentucky linebacker Cash Daniel. Uh, Cash, we got to catch up for a bit last week, and during our conversation, you did something that I, I really admire. You you dropped 17 bucks on lunch at Wendy's. Explain to nice. our viewers how you pulled that off. Dude, I have no idea, honestly, how I pulled that off. And first of all, it feels really weird to be called former. 
Uh, that feels really weird. Yeah. I haven't been called that. But, uh, um, dude, I don't know. I, I guess it's to deal with uh, with the COVID stuff, maybe, because literally the only thing I got was a salad and a burger. Like, that's literally all I got. Like, the burger meal, and I replaced the fries with the baked potato. Maybe that had something to do with it. Uh, and I got a salad. But I don't know. I have no idea. Get your get your get your stuff together, Wendy. This is this is ridiculous. <laughs> I I was amazed when you you were like you're like, oh man, how's that seventeen dollars? I said, Where are you? And like are you at Panera or something like that? You're like, dude, I'm at a Wendy's, sir. This is a Wendy's. This is a Wendy's. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. Um so I, I know that you're still working out right now and you're waiting for that phone to ring from an NFL team. Uh you had been hoping to hear your name called in the NFL draft, and, the, and that didn't happen. Tell us the story of kind of what happened on, on day three of the draft and what you found out afterwards. Uh, I mean, well, you know, like I told you before, man, I mean, I knew going into it that, you know, there was a very low possibility of me uh, getting drafted, you know, 1% at best. And, uh, and maybe a, and I knew going into it, maybe even like a 10% chance of getting a, you know, an undrafted free agent deal. Um, you know, so I mean, I knew going into it that, you know, I maybe I, I might not be getting the result, you know, that I, that I want or dreamed of. But, um, you know, day three came around, and um, so it was the sixth round, and, and I'm sitting there, you know, watching TV. I'm not even watching drafts at this point. And um, I get a text from the linebackers coach in New York after with the Giants, and he said, uh, "You know, if you're if you're still around the seventh round, uh, this is in the sixth round at the time, by the way." He said, "If you're still around the seventh, you know, we would love to have you in New York." And I looked in the seventh round; they had three draft picks, and I didn't really get my hopes up at that point, you know, really, because um, I told my agent and I called him and said, "You know, this is what he said. This is what he said." And he said, "Well, you know, more likely than not, you know, when they say that's a free agent deal," and I was like. Man, I said I don't care how it comes. I said if I get a just an opportunity to wear an NFL uniform, you know, even if it's for you know just training camp, and they cut my ass. I mean, that's just an opportunity. And uh, so I didn't care how it came. And so I'm sitting there, you know, and their and their two draft picks early in the seventh go by, and then they had Mister Irrelevant, you know, the last pick, uh, and they picked a really good linebacker out of Georgia. And um, so I'm just sitting there, and you know, I'm waiting to. You know, because I, I had a lot of friends, you know, that, you know, when I undrafted, you know, I was in contact with C.J. Conrad. He was uh, who got picked up by the Giants and got signed to, you know, a futures contract with him. And he was telling me, you know, how free agent deals usually go and how quick they usually go. And even before that, my agent was telling me about the, making a deal with the Saints uh, even before the draft started. And I had a really good conversation with, you know, their linebackers coach and, I, a, I I talked to maybe overall, I talked to like seven or eight teams on the phone with these virtual meetings where we got screwed out of a pro day. And, um, you know, I, I thought I really presented myself well. I talked well, and, you know, all the coaches really, you know, said that they were impressed, you know, with how I, you know, presented myself and, you know, the way I answered my questions and everything like that. And they were impressed with my football IQ, this, this, and that. And uh, so, you know, I thought I had really good interviews with those coaches, but, um, so after the draft ended and, you know, 15 minutes goes by, and, you know, my CJ was telling me, Hey, it's going to be quick, you know, like 15, 20 minutes and, you know, 20 minutes goes by, 30 minutes goes by and I get nothing. 
and then uh, my agent calls me and said, "Yeah, he said they uh, they they, they uh, red flagged your medical records," and I was like, "No, <laughs> no, <laughs> like that's uh, and that's like the first thing you're supposed to do, like when you right. when when you're when you're scouting somebody. I mean, maybe I wasn't even up, you know, on their who knows. I mean, maybe I wasn't even up on their you know draft board at that level to where they needed to look at me that early. Who knows? But um." You know, I was just like, well, damn, you know, and and he was like, well, they'll 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 consider signing you, you know, if you come up and you and you pass a physical. I'm like, well, how am I supposed to pass a physical when they got no travel ban? And that was when they had the travel ban and everything going on, and this and that, and you know, they've been calling teams and everybody's been saying no. So I guess the word got around, but they flagged my medical records and looked at it and said, you know, this guy basically played hurt his whole career and. Uh, had a surgery, you know, mid-season. Played with a broken hand the rest of the season. Uh, you know, off-season shoulder surgery that you know nobody actually really knew about, and I had another procedure done that nobody knew about. Um, you know, so I mean, I don't know. And then they told me I had the epidural uh, shot in my spine. You know, this, this, and that. So, I mean. There's just a lot of stuff, you know, man, that you, you go through when you play this game and the consequences that, that come with it and how I play the game and how I was – because, I mean, I never really cared, you know, about my body, you know, what, what what might happen. You know, I just just played reckless, you know, just played, you know, with my hair on fire. And so sometimes, you know, that uh, you get the short end of the stick on that. Dang, man. We're, we're obviously, you know, big fans of yours, Cash, we're big fans of, of Coach Stoops and um... – you know, how helpful is it going through this process and all the uncertainty to have a guy like that in your corner? Oh, I mean, it's great, you know, because I know that if, if uh, you know, if stuff hits the fan, you know, and, and I really need, you know, an ally, you know, somebody in my corner that can help me, um, you know, I know it's Coach Stoops, you know, and his staff, you know, and the relationships, you know, that I've made, uh, you know, with those people. So uh, it's it's a great feeling knowing that, you know, when I left, you know, that I have a lifetime bond, you know, with so many people that, you know, that have a, that have some pool around here. Like the whole damn state, man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Cash, I remember talking to you for the first time in person at SEC Media Days last year, and you were, you were ready to go. I mean, you were so fired up for your senior year. You knew that you guys would, would be better than people were expecting and then the year just kind of didn't, you know, even though you guys got that eighth win, for you personally, it didn't necessarily turn out the way that you were hoping for. And it all sort of started following the infamous play where you twisted Kyle Trask's ankle. And I know that you apologized for that on SEC Network after after the belt bowl. And uh-huh. you're, you're a very self-aware person, and that's something that I've learned about you. And you know that we have Florida fans and others who are listening to this right now and who probably don't want to forgive you for that. But if you could... Just tell us about the aftermath of all of that, you know, the, the depression that you've dealt with and just kind of what that's been like the last year. Well, I mean, I mean, it was just, it was just dumb, you know, I mean, at this point, you know, I own it, you know, I mean, there's nothing I can do. Um, and unfortunately when people look back on my career, that's probably one of the first things they're going to think of. Uh, so 
Yeah, that's something that, you know, that I had to endure and, you know, something that, you know, it took me, you know, a while to, you know, just own, you know, and just say, just, you know, hit the effort button and say, you know, it happened, move on, it's life, you know, it's not the worst thing that ever happened. You know, you didn't kill anybody, you didn't, you know, you didn't do anything like that. So, I mean, you're not in jail, so go, you know, move on. And, um, but it was really hard for me just because that I knew that I wasn't that kind of player and... It just it was just one of those moments, man, where I just blacked out and um honest to God I really don't remember it happening. Um just because I just I was just caught up in the moment. I don't know. I mean there's no other excuse for it. I mean it was stupid, it was bull and uh you know, and ultimately I, I felt really bad about it, you know. But I mean I try to have this you know, I, I play with uh with a reckless mindset, you know, and, and a mindset, you know, that I'm out there to my job is to hit people as an inside linebacker. My job is to inflict pain upon somebody within legal boundaries, you know, with those pads and the way I hit somebody. But I look back, you know, at the fact that, you know, that that was bullshit on my part. And I know that stuff happens on the bottom of piles and, you know, things like that. But, you know, as as dumb as that was, and and really, honestly, we were in the, we were in the hotel room the next week, and I think they were playing Vandy or somebody, and, you know, they were talking about what a great job he did coming in against us, and, you know, he really did. You know, came in and just absolutely just dominated. Picked uh, picked myself and, uh, you know, our you know and our defense apart, but he did an unbelievable job doing that and, you know, got him the victory. But I was watching that game, and it, it closed up on his mom, and I was just sitting there, and I was just like, damn, man. And that's when it hit me. I was just like, because at that point I was like, because after that I was just trying to maintain the, you know, the badass look and, you know, just, you know, just go about your business and whatnot. But then I saw his mom and I was like, damn, man, you know, that's, you know, we all got moms out there, you know, and just want us to watch us play and they're scared to death already, you know, that we're out here playing this game, most of them anyways. And, you know, the last thing that needs to happen is, you know, for, you know, her son, you know, to be hurt by, you know, some idiot that didn't do it, you know, within the play. And, uh, you know, it was, it was just stupid, but, and I regretted it, and I should have apologized earlier. And I know a lot of Florida people, you know, you're listening, and you're like, well, you can take your apology and shove it, you know, this, this, and that, and that's cool. Like, you guys got your own opinion, you know, about me. You got your, you got, you got your pre-notion, you know, about me, and, you know, that's cool. And, and there's nothing really that I can do to change that. You know, it's just, I just keep living my life and, you know, live it how I live it, so. Um, but yeah, but depression really, man, it was, it wasn't the, the, that wasn't that instance that triggered depression. I mean, I've, I've dealt with depression for, you know, ever since I was, uh, probably a kid, you know, growing up getting into my teenage, like teenage years, you know, 10, 11, 12, something like that. Um, you know, I grew up in a very highly, uh, poverty area in eastern Kentucky and you know we didn't have a lot to you know a lot to be you know proud of you know except our uh, last name and you know what we did on a field you know every Friday night but um you know I'm not going to sit here and ever compare you know uh childhood uh upbringings and say that you know mine was you know worse than this or different from this I mean yeah because everybody has different upbringings and definitely had an effect on that but um yeah, and just going through 
just when that happened and going through everything else, and I was just I put so much pressure on myself going through, and I think that's kind of what helped trigger it was because I set a, such a high standard for myself that in my mind, like <clears throat> after after we won the Citrus Bowl and everything. And the season was coming up, and, you know, they're looking. I was a junior captain, this, this, and that. I'm like, damn, dude, you got to be like – you got to be like the next Josh Allen now, you know, type, type level mm-hmm. player if you want to, you know, continue to continue and, you know, be this player, you know, they're hyping your ass up to be. And um, and it was, it was kind of hard, you know, to, um, you know, live up to that, you know, because I was trying to, you know, get, to get everything as perfect. You know, I was, and I, and I watched the last dance with Michael Jordan and I'm nowhere ever, ever going to compare myself to Michael Jordan, but just the way that he was preparing, you know, to come back and, you know, and dominate better than ever, you know, that was the way that I, in my mind, you know, I was trying to prepare, you know, doing whatever I could, um, trying to get dudes out to play seven on seven, you know, when coaches couldn't be out there, um, you know, doing work on my own in the summertime, springtime, um, whenever I could, just trying to do something extra, you know, to better myself. That means, you know, running, lifting, uh, agility work, you know, block shedding, anything like that. And um, I just had this expectation of a defense, you know, going into camp, you know, that, uh, you know, that we needed to be the best, best damn defense in the nation, like not just the SEC, not just the SEC East, but the whole damn nation in college football. And that's what we pride ourselves on each and every day in practice. It was reiterated, you know, with through Coach White, you know, that we want to be the most feared defense uh, out there every time we step on that every time we step on that field. And I took it personal. Like everything that I take in this game, I took everything personal. Um, I think that's the only reason why I even had a chance to even play at this level is because I had that type of mentality that I was going to take everything personal that if you if you bench press 225, you know, two more reps than I did, you know, I'm going to die. I'm going to kill myself or die trying next time, you know, if I don't get more reps than you do, or if, you know, something like that to take somebody's job, you know, on the field, like I'm going to do whatever it takes, you know, to win. And uh, going into that camp, you know, I set really high expectations for defense. You know, we'd have a, and I understand that sometimes, you know, that coaches, you know, they, they, they do coach things to motivate you. You know, and sometimes an ass chewing is not really an ass chewing. But we had one scrimmage one time, man, and I remember, you know, all the coaches, defensive coaches and coaches were disappointed in us. And, dude, I, I took that so personal that, I, like, I almost I like almost freaked out one day uh, in camp. I literally just, just almost freaked out, just out of this blatant nowhere. Just because I, I was just obsessed with trying to be the best defense for this year because, you know, it was all on me. They hit, They built this you know, this, uh, this hype around me and I built, I built it around myself with, uh, you know, with, with how I portrayed myself, you know, in the media and social media and things like that. And so now I was just like, Hey, MF, you better back this shit up. So that was, that was all that was on my mind. And we would play, I think we opened up against, uh, who the hell we opened up against? Was it Eastern Michigan? Doesn't matter. No, I think Eastern Michigan was week two. Okay. Uh, I can't remember. Doesn't matter. It was uh, it was an FCS team or something like that. But anyways, I didn't play good or up to my standard that I thought I needed to. And we won and we played great. The defense played great. You know, other than my personal you know belief of how I played, 
And I would be on the phone with Coach Summerall, you know, for two hours, you know, just freaking out, thinking about Florida in week three, not even thinking about Eastern Michigan in week two, just because of this. It was an SEC, you know, rival. You know, this is not our first SEC game. And, uh, in my mind, you know, just the difference, you know, in playing, you know, a different conference team than playing, you know, SEC top teams. And uh, so we get into week two, and, you know, I, I played decent against Eastern Michigan. Uh, this, this, and that, and after the game, you know, I'm just sitting there just freaking out again, you know, that we didn't play well enough and we played actually really well. And uh, I don't know, man, it was just a lot of pressure that I put on myself. I think that when I didn't, when I realized that I didn't live up to it, it was like, you know, top deal. Uh, it's like you had all these people believing you were this, this, and that, but you ain't, you ain't this. And that's basically what I was telling myself. And uh, it was pretty hard there for a while, man. And um, you know, I lost my granddad uh, in October, and that that really that really hit home hard. Um, just because, I mean, I was already, you know, I couldn't get on social, I couldn't get on any type of platform of social media throughout the season or anything like that. I was already getting, you know, so much hate through that, and, and I understand that at the end of the day, it's social media, and I've learned that now. Um, so that's why I'm more freely, you know, about it. You know, I'm more open and I own it now, you know, just because at the end of the day, it's going to happen no matter what. So, but anyways, and so, you know, I was going through that and, you know, trying to get my play and my game right back on track and try to lead this defense and, you know, try to finish the season out strong. And then, you know, my granddad died and took a lot out of me just because he was always the one there that was always at my sporting events as, as, as I was a kid in Little League. You know, all my middle school football games, high school football games, came to my college games all the time. I, I can still, you know, I could walk in the stadium right now and point the same seat that he always sat at. And, um, you know, so it was just, it was just, it was hard, you know, going out there and knowing that, that he wasn't watching and he wouldn't want to be there because he was always, he was always the person that was always there for me, no matter, no matter what. And, um, he was our rock to our family, you know, that, that we all held on to and the glue that held everybody together. And, uh, you know, as a family, you know, it, it, we all, it, it all, it all affects us pretty, pretty hard. So that, uh, that played a, that played a big role into it. And, you know, it was just, I just wanted to finish, finish the season out strong. And I remember, I remember we get to the belt bowl and, uh, I still have my cleats to this day. I'll, I'll never get rid of them. And, uh, I always write something <clears throat> on my, on, on my cleats. Um, in the last game, and all I could think of was, you know, "This one's for you, Granddad." So I wrote that on there, and I go out there and I have eight tackles, and I felt like myself again, out there just playing free, playing with my brothers, and just playing loose, you know. Because when you just when you go out there and you put so much pressure on yourself, I think that's when you that's when you implode. And you're just, if you're out there just playing like you're in the backyard or playing like you would in high school or anything like that, just go out and just, just cut it loose, that's when you go out and make plays. So um, it felt really good, you know, to you know go out like that. But along the way, I had so much help uh, with just getting through the season. You know, uh, my trainer, Gabe, um, He's not a he's not a therapist by any means. He doesn't have a degree in you know in, in therapy, but he needs it. I just go in there. I just talk to him, you know, or 
or Coach Stoops or Coach White, you know, or Coach Summerall. Coach Summerall was always there for me. Um, always there for me and made me realize throughout all this, made me realize that there's a different, uh, there's a different side of life than just football, you know, and how you are as a man, you know, and um, how you portray yourself as a man, not just as a player. And he helped me grow, you know, 10 times, you know, this season, not just as a player, you know, but overall as a man. So um, there was this, my teammates were always there for me. Um, my coaches were always there for me. Like I said, I had so much support that um, just to uh, just to keep me out of those dark days and just be able to focus on the task at hand. Um, so it was awesome just having that brotherhood, and that's, that's something I'm going to miss, man. That's the main thing I'm going to miss is just that, that bond and that, um, that tightness that you have with your brothers and those people within in that office. And, uh, you know, all the time you spend together in the weight room and the, on the practice field and plane rides, bus rides, all that stuff, man, that's the stuff you're going to miss. But yeah, yeah man, it was, yeah. uh, it was a roller coaster of a year for me personally. So, um, yeah. That was as transparent as anything I've ever heard on this yeah, podcast. Man. I mean, I appreciate that. That's and yeah. oh, and then also, like, the, well, then also, also had those two concussions too. So that really messed. Up. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, throw those yeah. in there too, <laughs> just in case yeah, it wasn't and, enough. Uh, that you're, that you're with. Yeah, that shows the effect. I already forgot about them, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I had, I had I had two, I had two in three weeks, and uh, it wasn't good. Dang, and uh, jeez, man. So that kind of messed with me mentally as well. Well, you know, Marler and I, we, we've talked a lot on this podcast about mental health. We're, we're advocates of getting it out there in the open. Everybody has their own issues and to, to be able to get it kind of out there. And, and I think that we'd be doing our, our listeners a disservice if we didn't address it head on with someone like yourself who, as you said, you know, you, you've dealt with those issues over the last yeah. year and struggling to live up to this uh, this persona that, that you've kind of built for yourself and that you feel like others have built for you as well. And I, I know that dealing with, you know, the post, like coming off of this season and coming off of your, your college career, it's been tough at times for you to, to get to that right headspace. What are some of the things that you've done to be able to get yourself in that bad, in that, in that better head place when you do sometimes go to those bad places? Go fishing. Or go hunting. Either one of those two. Or just go out and take a walk. You know, just just get outside. Basically, just don't be don't be cooped up. You know, sitting on a couch watching TV over and over. Like, you know, the brain was and the mind was was built. You know, to move and to be active. Uh, you know, a lot of times I don't know if this is scientifically true or not, but they say a lot of times like when people twitch in their sleep, it's like yeah, you're you're asleep, but you're like your your mind and your brain still you know firing. And everything like that like the brain was always meant to move and so when you sit around you do nothing you sit there and you watch movies over and over again you watch youtube videos over and over again you know you're just you're just you're not you're just you're not you're not expanding your brain you're not releasing you know anything you're just sitting there cooped up and overthinking more stuff than you need to be so i always try to get out and go fish you know or if hunting season's in i always just try to go out and take advantage of that or you know just I'll take Rambo, my dog, down here in the parking lot, running around for 15, 20 minutes, you know, or something like that. And it's just something, something just to stay active, you know, and uh, you know, and, and just be cool with. So, you know, usually that's what I do, and um, you know, and it's always cool to just talk to people, man. You know, it's 
Like it's really for me, it was really hard to uh, even just start talking to someone. I know that's that's a lot of people's problems is because they're afraid that they'll be perceived as uh, you know maybe a mental midget, you know, or something like that. You know, or they don't mm-hmm. people won't believe them. You know, this this or that, and it's like, man, you got to get over that. And I know that's such easier said than done, but you'd be surprised if how many people if you just say, hey, man. You know, can I talk to you about something for a quick second? You'd be surprised at how many people would actually just sit down and listen and just say, actually give you maybe advice you need in your life or maybe just someone to vent to, you know. Mainly that's what it all comes down to is having somebody to talk to, you know, about these issues because if you keep them bottled up, you know, inside of you, ultimately you're going to be like, you know, a shook-up pop can, you know, when they pop the top. When you should be a shook, when you're a shook-up pop can, you should be just letting it out spew by spew. Instead... You know, one of these days, you know, there's going to pop the top and everything's going to come out, you know, and that's when you explode or something like that. Who knows? So, I mean, it's always just good to talk to somebody, you know, and get the stuff that's, that you're feeling and what you're thinking, you know, off your chest and off your mind, basically, if you get it out in the open to somebody. You know, Cash, like, I mean, I don't want to sit here and, and be, like, I don't want to one-up your in, entire career, but I was a Division two college baseball player, and just, I mean, the stats God. speak for themselves. I'm kidding. But, what, like, all jokes aside, one thing about playing college athletics is when you were just describing your whole story, it the, the one thing I kept thinking of was it, it, it felt like the whole season was like a haze because, like, you're just, there's no time to slow down. There's no time to process stuff. There's no time to, you know, do all these different things like to help kind of take care of yourself sometimes and and once the season starts especially it's it's really hard to slow things down um you know like i don't want to put you on the spot here too much but do you think that with with classes and with you know like studies and 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 games and practice and film and all kind of stuff do you think that maybe college athletics would maybe benefit from having some sort of scheduled and organized time to to have i don't want to say therapy but like a time to check up on, like, the mental health part of the game. I think that they need to uh, put a mental health specialist in every department in college athletics, if you ask my opinion. Um, There needs to be time taken to uh, build the brain, just like we build, you know, our biceps in the weight room with our strength coaches, you know. There needs to be a way to heal our minds just like the trainers heal our nicks and bruises. Um, With how violent this game is and how the mindset that it takes to play um, not just defense but offense as well, uh, you know, there just needs to be a lot of reinforcement, you know, with mental health, especially in college athletics because you're dealing with a lot of young people who – come from different backgrounds who maybe are going far away from home for the first time, you know, or mm-hmm. maybe just lost somebody, you know, then they've never really dealt with that before and they can't get home, you know, to deal with that because they live in, you know, they're going out to school in California, you know, and they live all the way in Rhode Island. And, you know, maybe, you know, they don't have, you know, the funds to get back home, you know, so they're dealing with, stuff. you know, people deal with a lot of stuff, you know, that, that people don't really understand. And that's, mm-hmm. um, that's one of the main reasons why, you know, what what I would like to do moving forward, you know, is a lot of time is, is work with athletes and, uh, you know, combine the outdoor and the sports world together to allow the outdoors to be a mental release for somebody and introduce them to a new way of, of coping with uh, with their issues, 
you know, and being being able to do something fun and that and and active, you know, to get them out of the house maybe, and it could change their life. So it could be hunting, could be fishing, could be hiking, could be kayaking, anything that gets your brain moving and gets you moving. I think is a really good way of you know uh, just letting loose uh, with other things that you're dealing with, and ultimately, um, I think that it's stepping up. Ultimately, you know, as as it progresses, you're seeing a lot of more athletes coming out and speaking up about it. Uh, you saw Kevin Love; he's a big ac- advocate yeah. for mental health, and he is uh, he's doing a great job with that. Um, you know, and I would like to get involved. You know, with some of these organizations to bring awareness. Uh, you know, to what happens. You know, to athletes. You know, with mental health issues, and the stuff that you see. You know, on on the field. You know, or maybe on the court. You know, is something that they're just personally and early personally dealing with you have no idea about and you're judging the athlete just based upon the athlete when you don't know the real person at all right dang i think we've figured it out i think we've figured out what we got to do here yeah. we got to get cash to organize a camp an outdoors camp just give you a ton of land you can hunt you can fish whatever it is we can line it up with um you know with with duck hunting season rabbit hunting season whatever you want NCAA could finance it, and we'll just have teams that take retreats no, out, okay. and you organize I don't want that. Do the damn NCAA. I don't want anything to do with that. Okay, so let's let's rephrase that. We'll rebrand it. The SEC can organize this, not the NCAA, and the SEC can there then have each one of these schools, you know, be able to go. <laughs> you spend you spend a week a long weekend with cash. You kind of get right mentally. Everybody gets that, you know, kind of shake the cobwebs out a little bit, and, and you run the thing. I think that sounds like a great career to be able to do. That that'd be perfect. Well, ultimately, what I'm wanting to do with it really is. Uh, is I'm wanting to start my own, you know, show on YouTube to where, you know, I'm taking premier, you know, college athletes, college coaches, analysts, professional athletes, or anybody just to get, either introduce them to the outdoors or somebody that's a big avid outdoorsman, you know, take them out and, you know, just, uh, you know, enjoy it. Because ultimately, because I believe that any time that I've ever taken somebody in the outdoors, they've always just been their true selves. There's no there's no hype around. There's no crowd. There's no this. There's no. There's no that. You just got you. You know the outdoors, a rod in your hand or a bow in your hand or whatever we're doing. And uh, you know I like to get involved with you know a lot of college athletes and being able to um, you know show them that you know there's all there's so many ways you know that you can you know enjoy the outdoors even you know while the stress you know the season's going on or you know this is or that just right there off their campuses so. Ultimately, I'm wanting to do a lot of work with them and, uh, you know, try to get this thing going. Love it. It's awesome, man. Um, I know that from last time we, talk, we talked, you're a, you're a big, I don't want to say music buff necessarily, but, like, I mean, you're really big into music, big Sabbath fan, not a fan of Dan and Shay, thank God. Um, <laughs> no, that no. being said, like, so I, I know just, you know, since you're being honest and candid, and I'll, I'll be honest and candid as well, I mean, like, I've, I've been in therapy for years and one of the things I've always found out to be like the, the best thing for me to help kind of like get back to neutral is spending some time with myself listening to my favorite music for me it's churches um and just kind of you know blocking out the rest of the noise and, and trying to like have some like time to myself to figure stuff out what are you listening to nowadays uh like what is your go-to music like not just with quarantine but you know kind of dealing with some of this stuff 
Yeah, uh, music's a big part of my life, and um, a lot of times, you know, people, you know, their outlet is through music, and because there's so many, there's so many genres out there, so many different artists that feel the same pain or have felt the same things, you know, that you know, somebody that's listening has gone through, and maybe their lyrics or maybe their, um, you know, their charisma, you know, on stage or something like that, you know, uplifts that person. Uh, and helps them get through dark days. And I was listening. To, I'm, a, I'm a big heavy metal fan. And, um, you know, Jesse Leach, the lead singer for one of my favorite heavy metal bands, Killswitch Engage, uh, he has uh, depression as well, really bad depression. I watched a video on YouTube of him talking about his depression and, and how after shows that he has held people crying, talking about how that, that his music saved their life, you know, talking about some of the things that he's went through and being open about it and how that, you know, it talked them off the ledge basically. And he realized that, you know, my outlet is giving back to these people that have felt the same things that I do. And that's, what's going to uplift me. So a lot of people, you know, take really a big interest in music. And for me, it's just, um, I'm a big lyric guy, you know, and, uh, but right now, man, it's, uh, I got them rocking with my Kentucky boys, Tyler Childers, Sturgill Simpson, Chris Stapleton, love it. Uh, you know, throwing Sabbath in there. You know, some heavy metal in there, and just uh, you know, just just rolling with it. So I, I see that uh, you know you talked about wanting to start the YouTube channel as well. You, you're dabbling a little bit in the content creation business, and I see that like Marler, you've been working on a Cocho imitation, and I, I think it's pretty good. Uh, what, what, what's your evaluation of your Cocho imitation at this point? I don't know, man. I think it's getting there. Uh, at first, it really wasn't as good, but then I got the more bass and rasp combo together mm-hmm. in that in that Cajun accent. And what helps me is, what really helps me is I got I got family, you know, in Louisiana, so I get to be around them sometimes during the year. And so when I get around them and spend a couple of days with them, you know, I get I get that accent down uh, almost perfect, especially if I'm going to Louisiana. It's, well, we got to hear it then. What is it? Can we get like a? Can we get like a go? Can, all right, go Tigers is too quick. Go Tigers. You you have a you have a pin tweet up there with with the full imitation. So if people want to see like a full like I think it's like a thirty five second clip of you rocking the Coach O voice and you're clearing your throat right now, which is a good sign for us because that means you get ready to go. Give us like a go Tigers. Um, feeling good about twenty twenty something like that. No, no, I'm, I'm trying to think of something here. Uh, Tiger Nation, this is Coach O. You're listening to the Saturday Down South Podcast. Tune live next episode. Listen to former linebacker, Cash Dan. Go Tigers. <laughs> what the? What, that's better, what that's just better happened? Than that's better than Marler's. Easily. Cash, Easily. okay, like a little, like, little background here. <laughs> I've been trying to do this Coach O thing for like over two years, and it's the worst impression. And fun fact about... People from Louisiana uh, and, and LSU fans, if you don't do a good Coach O impression, they do not like you doing it at all. Um, <laughs> and so not. I've got it's so much hate. Yours is spot on. Yeah, man. If, if, if it's not spot on at that point, you're kind of people perceive as you're making fun of them, especially down south. So yeah, uh, yeah. If, if you if you don't got that impression on on point and you're showing respect with it, then you better get that out of there before you know before somebody gets angry. 
Yeah, or, I've, I've got a really good Matt Luke impression. I'll just like pat myself on the back. I don't even know if you know who Matt Luke <laughs> is. That's that's about where all of my my impressions have, have had to go to now. It's just old offensive line coaches. <laughs> there you go. You got you got Bob Wally down yet? No, not yet. I, I, I honestly, the Coach O thing kind of deterred me from from trying new ones after after the hate I got from social media. <laughs> hey man, just like anything else, it takes practice, bro. That's true. That's true. That was good. That's true. Clear my throat. That's, that's so, good. Thing. so good. So uh, good. Cash, I, I don't know about you, but my day always gets better when I hear a Benny Snell story. Do you have any that kind of come to mind? Benny Snell. Yeah, I do. It's really funny. So I remember one night. I think it, this was this was after he turned twenty-one, and oh, uh, he came back. <laughs> And and he and he came back because I because because I remember it was his birthday or something. And we went to Two Keys, and uh, you know, whenever you go out, you know, sometimes and I and I dare and I barely ever go out, hardly ever. I'm, I don't think I've ever been out since about six months prior quarantine. And uh, but when you go out in a big college town, you know, some you know everybody looks at you, stares at you, you know, guys around your table or whatnot, and you're having a good time, and then. In walks Benny with this like black fur coat, like the hood of it. The, the hood of it. The hood, the hood of it was fur. It's the one that he wore in his. I think in, in the uh, in the um, in the Super Bowl commercial, and uh, you know everybody just flocked around. I was like, oh Benny, 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 Benny. And he's just sitting there, man. Just man, he's just sitting there looking like Al Capone walking in. Man, he's just cool as hell. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that is not how I spent my 21st birthday. I will say that. Um, a little different. Uh, yeah, I'm glad he. I'm glad he did a, a better job than I did. Um, okay, so follow up question here. I, I, we're obviously bummed that you won't be back playing in Lexington this upcoming season. Um, however, Kentucky returns a lot of starters and a lot of experience off of a really good team last year. Like on both sides of the ball, what are you most excited for? What are you most excited about for this year's team? And, and do you think that they could? They could make a run to Atlanta. Absolutely, they can make a run to Atlanta. They, you know, they return a lot of a lot of key players. You know, Boogie and J Dub there on the edge. Um, you know, Boogie's going to do an unbelievable job. I've I've been seeing all over you know Twitter and you know pro football talk and all that stuff that you know he's graded out higher at this than you know some or most outside linebackers returning the SEC. Um, you know, he's going to be a pivotal, you know, leader on that defense. I'm excited, you know, to see the defensive line work. You know, I'm excited to see the young defensive back group, you know, um, mature this year, you know, and step up because, man, our DBs were young last year. A lot of them were freshmen or just, uh, or, uh, you know, JUCO transfers that, transfers that just got there. So, um, you know, there was a big learning curve, you know, for a lot of those young guys, and they, but they did an unbelievable job for us. And, uh, you know, like I said, Yusuf, uh, you know, Eccles, everybody like that involved, you know, they're going to get the job done. I'm excited to see them play. Offensively, you know, you've got A.J. returning in the backfield. you got Cavassier, you know, and, uh, you know, and Chris Rodriguez coming back. That's a big help in our backfield. you got Tay coming back. Um, you know, you lost Stenberg on the line. You lost Mason on the line. you got Drake and Landon returning. I think Drake is probably one of the most all-around centers, uh, not only SEC, but in the nation. Uh Low-key, whenever I go up against him, reminds me of, and I never went up against him, but when I watch him on tape and how he plays, uh, reminds me a lot of Jeff Saturday, you know, and, you mm-hmm. know, how well he moves. 
uh, you know, with people in his hands and how well he creates, uh, you know, holes for our running backs and how well he protects the quarterback. Uh, we got a lot of great receivers run, uh, returning. You know, Alan Daly Jr. was one of our most physical uh, blockers last year. Uh, at one time, you know, I would, I would come off to the sideline and be asking if Alan, if Alan knocked anybody out yet. You know, I'm like, hey, you get anybody yet? And I'll go up to him, hey, get... And we were at the and we were it was actually a funny story about that. We were at the belt bowl, and it was like the second quarter. And I came up, I was like, ow. I said, man, you, I said, you left anybody up yet? He said, not yet, man. He said, not yet, bro, it's coming. And then, like, next series, he goes out there and just pancakes some dude. So it was awesome <laughs> to see that. And then you got great tight ends returning, you know, and Keish, and uh, Keaton Upshaw and Justin Rigg, you know, really two powerful guys with really great hands and, you know, can really open up Coach Graham's offense for him. So it's really exciting to see Terry come back and do his stuff. You know, I mean, you talked the other day about, you know, how hard he works and, you know, his uh, determination to get back and lead this offense and this team, you know, and so I'm excited to, you know, see number three back in action. Speaking of Terry, we were talking the other day about him. Um, what did you text Terry Wilson, our favorite neighbor, Terry Wilson, uh, when you saw the video of him getting sacked from SEC Network? Oh, uh, I thought it was I mean, it was, it was not funny at all it was more like what the hell did you just post bro like what was your intentions with that like that that wasn't funny at all that would have been crickets if they did that at a uh they did that at a live audience but i don't know i mean it was it was disrespectful you know but i mean i'm sure that you know somebody there that that tweeted it thought you know at the time that it was funny you know and i'm sure that they didn't really mean any harm by it but it was just disrespectful, you know, to Terry, you know, in the program. And, you know, at the time, you know, Terry was upset. But at the same time, Terry's going to use something like that, you know, as motivation, just like I would. You know, Terry takes a lot of things personal. And I believe that if uh, if you take things more personal, you know, I have to believe that that's what really gets that fire in your crawl and what you really want you to get going and, you know, be the best player you can be. So knowing Terry, he's got that maybe the video's leader, maybe he saves on his phone, but, I'd be damned if he's don't have that mentally locked in his mind every time he steps out on the field this year. Gosh, I'm fired I, here, up just hearing that. Yeah, for real. I, I, apparently, I missed this tweet, um, so I'm, I'm just not hearing about that. But now I'm equally angry here. Uh, here's a random question for you, Cash. So first off, if if NFL doesn't work out, you and Cavassier Smoke need to start. I don't know if it's a it's a tag team championship. Or if it's like just like a like a music group or something, but Cash and Cavassier is the best name for something. Mm. Yep, got to make it happen. So it sounds like a Cajun food restaurant to me. <laughs> yes, that's it right there. <laughs> you could do yeah. the Coach O imitation. Nobody would be able to tell that you're not actually from there, we but could, I think we it would could work. be like the official. We could be like the official Coach O crawfish sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Um, but so, like you talked about the the last dance earlier. Did you? I, one of the things that just cracked me up about Michael Jordan was he would tell these stories, and it's like, oh man, what an incredible insight into MJ's mind and the goat and all this other stuff. And then like he would tell you the story and why he hated this person, and then three minutes later, he's like, by the way, that never happened. I made all that up in my own head because I was just trying to fire myself up. Is, did you do stuff like that as an athlete? I don't know if I ever took it that far. I mean, that, okay. that's, that's the next level creativity right there on MJ's part. But, uh, you know, I would always, you know, keep in the back of my head, you know, that if, if somebody, you know, during the week, 
you know, it said something about our defense, you know, it said something about me, you know, it said something about that, you know, I'm not going to forget about that, you know, and uh, so I always try to look for, you know, something like that, I, and um, just kept in the back of my mind that, you know, that they disrespected this team, and um, and that's what I did take first, just because how much I love my teammates, and I know how much, I know how hard we work, you know, to get out there on that field and perform every Saturday, so and how we perform. So, you know, anytime anybody opened their mouth about, you know, disrespecting us like that, you know, that it was always in the back of our mind to go out there and play with that extra step. Love it. Love it. Um, Connor, you got anything else before we get out of here on two minute drill? No, this is, this has been great. I think any, I, yeah. I hope that anybody, anybody who's listened to this, who, who do, who does have maybe a, a preconceived notion of, of who you are and, you know, I, I hope that they listen to this and they, they figure out who, who Cash Daniel, the person, really is because I think you've given us some great insight. And that's, you know, one of the reasons that, that I wanted to be able to talk with you because I'm not sure that a lot of people get to see kind of the, the person away from, you know, the, the persona. And, and we've obviously, like, we talked about that when you came on last year and it was still like, yeah, you're like firing up, ready to go. But I think it's been really enlightening to see you open up this way. So, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate the fact that you've been so willing with your time. So I'll, I'll turn it to, to Marler for two-minute drill. All right, man. Um, so we are going to – and by the way, let me just say real quick, I, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I, I feel like sometimes we're our biggest enemies and our biggest critics. I, I don't think that that is your – the perception people have of you is is sometimes – like of what you are saying earlier. I think, I think everyone has a, a – a much better perception than sometimes we give ourselves credit for it, especially with you. Like you had, you're uh, like I'll sure. always remember you for the, I mean, for a lot of things, but also for the uh, the water bottle incident down in in games on the swamp with the Stone Cold Steve Austin thing. That's what I remember you for. So um, yeah, see, that, I, I gives, don't see, be... that gives them to, that gives Florida fans two more reasons to hate my ass. <laughs> so you're you're not you're not making this easier for me, man. Well, you know, in hindsight, I'm really glad I brought it up. Uh, the only thing that could have been worse if I did the Coach O impression while saying it. So I will I will take that out. We will not have that in the final edit here. Uh, okay, we're gonna play two minute drill. It's rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Best part of quarantine. Fishing and hunting. Okay. Um, for me, it was just gaining weight. So that, that's, that was my answer. Um, true or false, Carol Baskin killed her husband. True. Absolutely true. She gave herself away with the, the sardine oil comment. Exactly. Mm. Yep. Exactly. You know, also, Coach Stoops, uh, I think he said the same exact thing. We had him on here earlier in the, uh, in the spring. Okay. Favorite beer? Not a lot. Favorite flavor of White Claw? I've never drank a white claw. That's that is the <laughs> correct answer. There it is. Um, okay, it, one thing that you're actually one thing that you're actually not going to miss about playing college football. The heat. Yeah, that's good. That makes it's sense. Hot. Um, okay, let's see here. Least favorite. Uh, you know what? It might just might have already answered here. Least favorite part of summer. Least favorite part of summer? The bugs, like mosquitoes. And yeah, Washington I was going to say summer reading programs, but since we're adults, we don't have to do that anymore. So I guess that's a better answer what you had. Um, okay, go-to order at Chick-fil-A. The grilled nuggets with Chick-fil-A oh, sauce. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, if you're not playing football next year, what are you doing? 
that is yet to be determined. But hopefully, uh, hopefully working for the SEC Network or you know or uh, you know UK Sports Network, something like that, or maybe just have my own deal on YouTube. Man, you never know. Love it, love it. Um, okay, next tattoo you're gonna get, and also give me a recommendation for the tattoo I should get. Oh man, that's that's hard because I we have to hang out. I gotta know your personality and your interests and stuff like that. But um, you can't go wrong, you know, with the with the classic bicep, you know, uh, barbed wire tat around the bicep, bro. Can't beat that. <laughs> Mahala. <laughs> I think that's what I'm missing in my life is a, is a tribal armband, just all up and yeah, down, like, full uh, sleeve of it too. But for me, the next one I want to get it's a uh, it's the poem from the movie The Gray, and uh, I write it, uh, I wrote it on my wrist tape every every game, and I wrote it in my locker and put it up there. Um, it's it's the scene where well, it starts out, you know, his dad wrote it. And it's a really iconic scene there at the end where the wolf, the, the alpha male wolf comes up on him and he's in the den. And he just sits there before he starts fighting and says, once more into the fray, into the last good fight I'll ever know. Live and die on this day. Live and die on this day. So I'm going to get that black wolf shattering around it. Uh, this isn't going to come as a shock to you, but you're a lot cooler than I am. This, this, I got prodigal son. You, man, if, if, if people, if, if people actually, hung, if people actually hung out with me, they wouldn't hate me as much. I promise you. I yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's the opposite for me. I think when people start to like be around me more, they're like, oh, okay, I don't, I don't know if this, yeah. this is it. Um, okay, so we got two more for you: WrestleMania or Royal Rumble. WrestleMania. Really. Okay. Absolutely, right, man. It's, it's the it's the Super Bowl of wrestling. That's, that's all right. I'm not going to argue that. Um, which Rocky movie is the greatest Rocky movie? There's only one right answer for this one, Cash. Four. Duh. Yes. Thank you. All right, good. Uh, and last but not least, who is the greatest wrestler of all time? The greatest wrestler of all time, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Thank God. You know what? Let me add this up. Cause I, I was worried somebody would say, or you might say, Hogan. That is the correct answer. Let me carry the one here. Cash, that is 269 points. That is a new high score. Wow, that's nice. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Cash, this has, been, uh, this has been great. Really, really appreciate you coming on. Um, I, I think, like I said before, I think a lot of people... Uh, this this was hopefully a chance to get to know you a little bit more, and you know we love getting to talk to you. We are hopefully maybe going to talk to you when the NFL stuff happens. Fingers crossed. We are expecting that to, to come, and we we wish you all the best. Hope that you are able to catch all the fish. We hope that you are able to lift all the weights, which you always do, anyways. But this has been great, and we really appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, man. Hey, man. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. Y'all be good. You, you well, too. Man. We'll be in touch, man. Bye, man. Be good. Later. All right. We had a week hiatus, but we are back. It is Stump Marler. Jay Woody is literally standing in the corner at Walmart to make this happen. That's dedication. <laughs> Jay, how's it going, man? I just, I love you guys, man. This is why I do this. <laughs> this one's been real Jay. silly Billy today. <laughs> yeah, chilly, chilly. I think that's problematic. I don't think we can say that. Very good. Uh, Jay, uh, you have done such a great job of putting putting together a bunch of questions for us for Stump Marler. We 
are back on it. We are going to first start with three questions that are related to that oh-so-wild 2007 season. If you recall, Marler, you don't need the refresher, but maybe our listeners do. That season was bananas. Uh, upsets galore. Um, it was the season of upsets. The curse of number two. Number two lost seven of the last nine weeks of the season. Uh, we also finished the season with the first two-loss national champion since 1960. Shout out to Jacob Hester. But the season was nuts, so we figured we would start there. Marler, are you ready to go? Let's do it. All right, this first one is from the man who is standing at the corner in Walmart, a.k.a. Jay Woody. Um, <laughs> Jay wants to know, this season has arguably two of the most stunning upsets in recent memory. And Uncle Chris is going to have a little bit of a a little bit of a take on this. One was an FCS school beating a blue blood, blue blood and is considered to be the biggest upset in Las Vegas history. Name those two games. Uh, it was App State versus Michigan, first game of That's the season. Yep. Um, the biggest Vegas, uh, what do you call it? What do you call it? Like upset, upset. was was Stanford versus USC. I believe they were a thirty-eight point favorite, and um, they lost. I think I forgot what the final score was. It was like twenty. I want to say it's like twenty-eight, twenty-four, something like that. That's, that's 24 23. There you and go. 39 yeah. point favorite. We'll count that. That's that's good. Um, all right, number two, Matthew Sadro wants to know how many different SEC teams reached a top two spot in the AP poll during the entirety of the 2007 regular season? Top two, as in like first reached or second? First or second. Yep, a top two spot. Um,. So I think it like current SEC teams or at the time. No, no, for, yeah. no for, yeah. So 2007. So during that 2007 season, during the regular season, how many SEC teams reached one of those top two spots in the AP poll? I believe it's just LSU and and Georgia. That um, is also <laughs> correct. Boom. Just <laughs> worded it so ridiculously. I hate no, you, dude. I, I hate you. Yeah, so Missouri was in there, and so I wanted you to get confused yeah. on whether it was current SEC members or not. So. Well, no. I mean, that did not play well for you, uh, Jay. Also, I, that's, I like, that's what I always say. It's like it's the greatest college game day of all time because they had Kansas versus Mizzou, and somebody held up that Mark Mangino giant cutout of his fat face, and then they came back from the commercial, and somebody else had a giant cutout of a cupcake, and they kept slamming it in the side of his face. It was hilarious. <laughs> 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 All right, number three. Our good buddy, Mickey Sheremy, wants to know how many different teams were ranked number two in the AP poll from preseason to final rankings. And you'll get bonus points for every one that you can name. So just give us the amount first, and Wait, then you like can talk specific teams. How many teams were, were at the number two ranking? Yep. Yes, yep. specifically oh, at the number two spot. So it's got to be, there were seven teams that lost, so that there it has to be... Oh man, I'm gonna guess like nine or ten. Yes, so nine. It's, it's, okay, so it'd be LSU um, for sure. Mizzou, I think, was up there. Georgia. Um, Mizzou was not. Mizzou was not. Mizzou was LSU number one. You're right. So LSU and Georgia. Um, USC was up there. Boston Correct. College, South Florida. Um, let's see. Let's see. Kansas. Yes. Oregon, West Virginia. How many is that? That's eight. What would the other one be then? Um, so you're only missing one. 
Hmm. This, if you get this one, I'll be really impressed. Oh, I like that. Uh, hold on. I mean, I'm already impressed, but I'll be even more impressed. The, oh, um, I already said Kansas. Oh, Cal. That wow. How did you? Are you cheating right now? How how did no. you pull that out? How did you? That pull was out like Cal? most ridiculous. So Cal is the team. Cal's the game. Uh, the game I think where they either they beat USC or USC beat them, and that's what like kept USC out of the national championship. Yep, it was. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I think that might have been the what do you call it? Um, who's the running back? Beast mode. Marshawn Lynch right yeah. around the golf cart. That was oh, that was that game. Duh, because remember they they held uh, USC to no actually that wasn't the game where they held USC to like like under three hundred yards. But they they had I, I just remember they got upset and it was also the Stanford game. But then USC just went on like a tear and, and destroyed everyone after that. How can well, you not remember all, the all of these points. games from twelve years ago, Connor? I'm embarrassed. The South Florida <laughs> one was the best. South Florida versus Rutgers on a Thursday night. That was like That's the biggest lit. deal. It was ridiculous. Jeez, goodness. All right. You got all of them. You got all of them from from the from the first three there. Jay, you're gonna take it away with rapid fire. All right, buddy. Actually, I have one more little one that's a bonus, and it is. I'm not gonna count this one against you, but it's kind of a fun one to talk about. Uh, this is that same 2007 season, November 23rd, proved especially odd for a coaching reason. That week, a number one ranked LSU lost at home to an unranked Arkansas team in triple overtime. This win caused a pretty weird coaching shift in the SEC. Can you tell me what happened? Yeah, Houston, that went to Ole Miss. Yep, and who did he replace? Ed Orgeron. Who replaced? David Cutcliffe. Well, no, 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 no. Eventually, he replaced Les Miles. Oh. So Les Miles, oh, he, oh, so he did not beat Les Miles. Then he went and replaced Ed Ogeron, and then Ed Ogeron later on replaces Les Miles. I thought that was, that was actually also... kind of a little fun little, little circle there. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm glad you had fun because that made no sense to me. Um, but, <laughs> well, anytime you miss it, anytime you miss it, I'm um, happy. All right. First off, I got it right. Uh, but I, I, is that the same year Tuberville had one more year? I feel like I'm trying to think of who else got fired that year. Uh, stop it! Stop it! This is rapid fire. What part of you rapid ahead, fire do you not go. understand? Right, here we go. Rapid fire number five from Jeff Rollins. Last year, last year, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson led the SEC in rushing yards. When is the last time two receivers from one school have been in the top five in the SEC for receiving yards? First off, it was it was receiving yards, and it was also last year because Devonta Smith, um, was it Waddle or was it Ruggs? Was also they were also in the top five. See, this is why the fans kill me, dude. Because they they absolutely they have 2013, and it was Jarvis Landry and uh, Odell Beckham Jr. So no, that's also Alabama wrong because the year like before, because remember, me, Connor, we talked about this on air. The year before, um, DK, maybe it wasn't DK Metcalf, but AJ Brown and someone else from Ole Miss were both in the top five as well because they put up so many ridiculous yards uh, with uh, Tamu. All right, it's bad enough that I can't stump him. It's bad enough that I can't stump him, guys, but you guys are giving me the wrong answers to the question. Yeah, no, guys, I'm it's sorry. a simple Google. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> Number six, Andy Goins. The Alabama record for most rushing TDs in the game is five, which was done by two Alabama running backs. Who are they? Oh, this is so easy. Sean Alexander had five against BYU, and then Santonio Beard had five against Ole Miss in 2002, I believe. Yeah, I was there. That's when uh, Skinner played the night before for homecoming, and 
Rapid Wait, fire, Marlo. I don't care. What I'm telling a story. <laughs> my dad forgot the tickets to the game the next day at home in Atlanta, and we had to leave the damn Skinner concert during Freebird so he could go home and get the tickets. Ridiculous. <laughs> is, this, is this part of the deep-seated issues with you and your father? That's not that's, that's part of it. Just scratching the surface. Moving on. Yeah, that is not going to be a rapid fire question. <laughs> Number seven, Andy Goins. Also, you got to answer this one quickly, okay? How many touchdowns were scored in the seventy-four to seventy-two LSU versus Texas A&M game in two thousand eighteen? Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. Hurry up. Uh, seven, seventeen. Eighteen total TDs, nine Damn by each it. team. <laughs> failure, failure, failure. That's the Number first one I've missed all day. <laughs> Number eight. From Emory Picker. So you know it's got to be Georgia-related, right? Name okay. the SEC programs that have never had a player win the Heisman. Uh, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Kentucky, Mizzou, Vandy. I don't know if she has A&M has. I don't, I don't think Arkansas has, right? No. Should have. No, Arkansas but, you know, has not. South Carolina has. No. Um, South Carolina has, Florida has. Yeah, that's all of them. All right, I'm going to give you credit for it because Emory like hung out to dry. He's got like four schools there, and there's clearly like six or seven that haven't. Google <laughs> the freaking answers before you give them to me, people. I have hundreds of Goodness. these to go through. Google the freaking answers. Number nine, Andy Goins. Oh, this is actually a pretty good one. List the top seven SEC stadiums. These are the seven that have a seat capacity of more than 85,000 in order from largest to smallest. Tell me who's got the biggest stadium to the smallest, and we'll just stay 85,000 and above. Um, A&M is the biggest. Tennessee is second. LSU, Bama, Georgia. That's the top five. Florida, Auburn, South Carolina. Gosh. Y'all, come on. What are we doing right now? Every single game of every play of every single game, but now you know the seating capacity of every stadium as well, man. I'm pretty sure Georgia is like 92 seven seven something. Uh, Yeah, all right, come on. on, Number ten, Trey Trey Kearney, and I assume that's how you spell his last name. Our pronounce his last name. From 2004 to 2014, there were 149 teams that held their opponents to less than 120 yards offense in a game. Those teams have a combined 147 and two record. What SEC team is responsible for both of those losses, and who was the coach? Oh God, um, I have no idea. I have no idea. Whoa, really? That's a good I one. Hold on, hold on. Let, me, let me guess, though. Let me guess. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say, is it Croom? It is not Croom. That's a good guess, Mississippi State and Croom. That's okay. a really good guess. Yeah, that's a great. Um, one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I actually I mean, remember them saying this champ? on the game, sir. Yes, much champ. At which school? At <laughs> <laughs> which school? At which That's school? Amazing. school. <laughs> I'm assuming he did it at Florida and South Carolina because he is as, as consistent yep. as they come. He did it at Florida both times. They uh, they Goodness. lost. 20, listen to this, dude. They lost 21 to seven to Florida State, and Florida State only had 95 yards of offense. How is that even to possible? <laughs> Good for you. Good for you, Will. He. I mean, oh man. Wow, that's that is that's tough to do. Um, all, all right, right. so I, that's the one. only one I missed, right? No, nope, oh, we got nope, one more. Last good. one, last one. Yep, Jack Haygood. The sandstorm tradition at South Carolina started in 2008 against LSU, but the first game he got serious notice was in 2009 against an SEC opponent. 
Oh, the opponent on, came guys. in ranked in number four. <laughs> with the, okay, well, then I'll skip to the end. Who was the opponent and who was the quarterback? It was the Thursday night game against Ole Miss. Jevin C was the quarterback. That was when Ole Miss started top five in the country and then just fell apart at the seams because um, they had Steve that transferred from Texas. Uh, it was supposed to be like the savior of that, that whole program. But yeah, I, like that, was, that whole thing was bizarre. I don't remember the sandstorm part as much as – I definitely remember Sneed and Ole Miss going into Columbia and getting the brake speed off of them. <laughs> I hate it that you remember all of these and that you always get the answer right, but I love it anytime we can discuss Ole Miss and having the brake speed off of them. So. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Most of those right. That was pretty good. That was pretty, pretty good. Oh, thank um, you. Step your game up, guys. Impressive. Step your game up. Not Let's you two. Let's have everybody game up and, and freaking check the answers before you send them to yeah. me, dorks. Yes, yes. Please, please do that. Everybody, thank you for sending in questions, but let's, you know, be on our P's and Q's. Listen let's to, let's listen look a little Connor bit closer being at so those nice. answers. Listen to Connor being so nice. yeah. it doesn't, I, I, If you send me the wrong answer, that doesn't count as you sending in a question. Send in a freaking question with the right answer. Connor, we Connor are like, here's, so nice. here's the thing. We are Ron Burgundy with a teleprompter. If it's there, we're reading it. Yeah. All right? So, I mean, the good news is, like, if, if there's a positive in all this, it's that, Obviously, I'm so good at this game that even when you guys don't follow through with the correct answers, it's a two-part process of looking up the question and then also looking at the answer. Luckily, I can give you the answer, and on top of that, oh, the other that's answer. All, that's that all the meant. time we have today. Too bad. Stay tuned for another edition of Stump Marler. I don't know what that sound was on the other end of Jay. Jay, it sounded like you just went underwater for 10 seconds. You said you're in a Walmart, but I'm starting to think you're in an aquarium somewhere. I was getting a lobster out of the lobster tank, I apologize. They have lobster at Walmart? <laughs> yeah, they have lobster at Walmart. In my, in my Walmart, they did. Alright. Well Jay, if if you're still with us next week, we look forward to another edition of Stump Marler. Can you give us our signature sign off? Yeah, guys. It might mean too much. Boom. Love it. Boom. Talk soon, Jay. See ya. Talk to everybody soon.